0: Good morning. I'm Chris Oaks, and coming up today, the battle of Generation Z versus baby boomers in the office. How bad is the workplace generation gap today, and how do bosses and managers manage those conflicts without alienating either side? Also this morning, more lessons learned from COVID. Legislation introduced by Representative Bob Latta will ensure the U.S. is prepared to meet the demand for medicines and medical supplies to counter future public health threats. He'll join us to talk more about it. And to your health this morning, while individuals with psoriasis often avoid many summertime activities, the irony is that warm weather can actually help improve the condition. This is the Good Mornings Podcast Edition for Monday, July 17th, 2023. Air quality alerts. Once again, a thing. Yesterday, it was kind of hazy, and today, several U.S. states once again will be under air quality alerts due to thick smoke from those Canadian wildfires uh, yesterday, much of Montana, South Dakota, Iowa, Illinois, Minnesota, and Indiana, um, on Sunday afternoon, uh, those were all among the states that were uh, covered in those uh, air quality alerts. On Sunday afternoon, yesterday afternoon, officials labeled the air quality in cities like Chicago, Indianapolis, Detroit, and Des Moines as unhealthy Uh, as those 900, nearly 900 active wildfires continue burning across Canada over the weekend. And this was kind of interesting. I uh, actually posted about this on uh, social media on our uh, Good Mornings Twitter feed. Um, I guess it was a couple of weeks ago when we were in the thick thick of it, no pun intended, uh, the worst of the... uh, uh, Canadian wildfire wildfires make. Of the 900 or so wildfires that are burning in Canada, they're only actively fighting about half of them. Do you realize this? I mean, a lot of people are saying, gee, these have been going on for, do they not know how to fight fires in Canada This has been going on for so long? Uh, are they are they out of water? Are they, <laughs> do they not know how to put fires out? Uh, what's going on? Uh, they're only actively fighting About half of them, this was a piece on CNN's website that I saw a couple of weeks ago. Basically, there are two reasons why only half of them are being addressed. Uh, One is because of the let it burn policy and letting nature take its course and, and so on. That's one thing. But the bigger reason is because they just can't get to them. Some of these wildfires, about half of them, are in such remote places that there is no way in or out. There are no roads to get people and equipment in to fight the fires. And even if they could, it's so remote that it would be so dangerous if something were to happen, they wouldn't be able to get them back out again. So they're not even fighting them. Uh, that's one of the reasons why this continues to be an issue and will for the foreseeable future. That's crazy. So, anyway, uh, some of the uh, first things you need to know this morning, the most interesting and buzzworthy stories of the day. As we head back to work on a Monday morning, one-fifth of Americans say they work in a toxic environment. This is according to a survey of 2,500 Employed adults, 19%, say that their workplace is very or somewhat toxic, with that being defined as a place where infighting, intimidation, and other related issues impact productivity. One in five work in a toxic environment. Toxic workplaces usually suffer from high absenteeism and turnover. So if you look around... I mean, if you're the boss, you go in today and you have (laughs) an abnormally high absentee rate, and that seems to be a trend, maybe you should take a hard look in the mirror, I guess. 52% of those in a toxic workplace feel that their mental health suffers as a result. Uh, According to Arthur Evans of the uh, APA, is the American Psychological Association, something like that, anyway says no one should feel no one should feel fear at work it is clear that there is much more to be done to foster a positive work environment for all workers in America so one in five that is just a real surprise to me one in five uh, maybe it's not your workplace maybe it's your water that's toxic uh, experts at J.D. Power are out with their latest ranking in the nation's water supply and, uh, ranking America's tap water. The best tap water, Kentucky, Washington State, New York, and Oregon, uh, are the, uh, are the top of the list. Uh, at the other end, Mississippi, Arizona, and Indiana had the worst tap water. Um, uh, Say, if you're looking to improve, I don't know where Ohio uh, ranks. I don't have the full list. I just have the uh, story off the news It has, you know, the uh, best and worst. So you can look it up if you're curious to find out where Ohio is. If you are looking to improve your tap water, carbon filters can remove contaminants like chlorine, asbestos, lead, and mercury. Reverse osmosis filters can help with blocking arsenic, fluoride, nitrates, and more. You can contact your local health department uh, for a uh, test. Uh, or a free test kit. Uh, health department or water department. I think both uh, will have those. So just kind of interesting. JD Power out with their uh, latest uh, ranking of tap water. Indiana. There was my wife and I were just in Indiana. We was, are we in trouble now. I don't know. Uh, let's see. Oh, this is big news. Big news today is the last chance that you have to claim a tax refund. From 2019, the IRS says nearly $1.5 billion remain unclaimed from the year before the pandemic. And about 1.5 million taxpayers may still be eligible for a refund. And if you do the math, it averages out to about $900 per, according to the IRS. $900 $900 uh, average uh, refund that uh, has gone unclaimed by about a million and a half taxpayers from the year 2019. Now, I don't get it. If you are owed money from the IRS, why would you not claim that? But believe it or not, there are people who do not file, uh, even though they are owed money. Evidently, they are independently wealthy and don't need their money back. and telling the IRS, just keep it. Just keep it. You don't want to be one of those people. Uh, There is a three-year window to claim a tax refund. Uh, After three years, you forfeit it, and it goes back into the public coffers. Um, Now, if you remember, the 2020 tax day was delayed three months because of the pandemic. And so this year, the three-year deadline, which would normally come by in in April, uh, falls on July 17th. Uh, the IRS says the 2019 or 2019 tax return must be filed on paper at this point. You can't electronically file it, file it and it must be postmarked by the end of the day today. So might want to check on that if you haven't filed from, 20, from tax year 2019. Uh, let's see. And there's no penalty. There's really no penalty for filing late. If the IRS owes you money, uh, they're not going to fine you for filing late. Um, Your penalty has been they've been able to keep your money for this long and earn interest on it. So if you are owed money, you don't have to worry about the IRS knocking on your door saying, why didn't you file on time? They really don't care if you don't file on time. It's, It's only if you owe them that they get to be kind of, Sticklers about that, understandably so. And maybe the most important news you will hear this morning. The biggest news. I have uh, two items here. Remember last week was uh, French Fry Day. What was that on uh, Friday, was it? Uh, That uh, there were uh, many of the fast food restaurants, uh, McDonald's and Wendy's uh, were going at it on the uh, free fries thing for French Fry Day. Well, Burger King has gone one step better than all the rest. For National Friday, an extension of that, BK is offering free fries through the end of the year. Uh, free any size fry with an in app purchase through the end of 2023. <laughs> the French Fry Wars getting serious here. Uh, it says here the deal is an extension of the National Friday offer, can be redeemed once a week. You uh, have to add the offer to your cart prior to checkout in the app. So definitely want to make sure you uh, are aware of that. It's very important. And lastly, speaking of uh, corporate stuff, again, this may be the biggest news, the most important news of the day. Hostess is launching a ding dong, Twinkie mashup. The Company has combined two of its my, uh, most iconic snacks to create a ding dong Twinkie mashup featuring golden sponge cake, cream filling, and a fudge coating. It says the snacks are available starting this month at Walmart locations nationwide. Uh, I don't know if they're available. It says available starting in July, and this is July, so I don't know if they are available now. Or if it's coming before the end of the month, I was just at Walmart yesterday. I did not see them, but I was not looking for them either. I didn't know to look. If I had seen this story yesterday, I would have looked, and I'd be able to tell you whether you could get them now or not. But it says in July. So within the next couple of weeks, if not already, on store shelves. Ding Dongs, Twinkies, Mashups. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> How did we ever live without this? I mean, why did this take this long is what I want to know. <laughs> I mean, that is all kinds of awesome right there. Some of the most interesting and buzzworthy stories to get your Monday morning started.
1: WFIN News. I'm Matt Demchek. Your WTOL 11 weather. Hazy sunshine today with a high around 80. Partly cloudy tonight, alone low in the mid 60s. A man was killed in a crash south of Bowling Green and another left in critical condition. The Wood County Sheriff's Office said the crash happened on Rudolph Road near Powell Road on Sunday morning. The Sheriff's Office said a 22-year-old from Signet was going south on Rudolph Road when he tried to pass the vehicle and collided with a pickup truck that was northbound. The 22-year-old was pronounced deceased at the scene while a passenger in his vehicle, a 20-year-old from Lipsick, was taken to a hospital in critical condition. Get more on the crash and the story on our website. Nearly 30 new electric vehicle charging stations will soon be built in Ohio. They'll be installed no more than one mile off an interstate every 50 miles. Each site will include at least four charger ports. Right now, just over 52,000 Ohioans drive electric vehicles. As more
0: Ohioans uh, purchase EVs, we want to make sure our infrastructure is prepared to accommodate
1: them. I'm Andrew Kinsey. And one of the charging stations will be at the Pilot Travel Center at Interstate 75 and State Route 613 in northern Hancock County. See the full list and the story on our website. It's time for K-9 Sonny to enjoy a more laid-back life now that he's retired from the Hancock County Sheriff's Office. You
0: know, I'd like to start traveling a little bit with him. Uh, I want him to be able to enjoy maybe some hiking. want to take him to the lake one
1: day. Sergeant Tom Miller says Sonny's retirement will be a big transition for both of them. See some video from Sonny's retirement party in the story on our website. A much-anticipated event in Ohio will be happening next April on the same date as the Cleveland Guardians' home opener.
2: The Guardians 2024 home opener will take place on Monday, April 8th against the Chicago White Sox. Now, if that date sounds familiar, it also just so happens to be the day of the great North American total solar eclipse. Now, there is no start time for the opener yet. There's no word on any special eclipse activities planned for that Guardians game just yet either.
1: And the city of Findlay has been making preparations for the solar eclipse. Get more on the website. Matt Demchak for 1330
0: WFIN and 95.5 FM. You know, there have been a number of recent studies and surveys on this, the latest actually coming out of Australia, about a generation gap in the workplace. A conflict between younger and older employees about everything from little pet peeves to fundamental differences in philosophies uh, about the best way to run a business. Kristen Gees is an author, professor, speaker, Gen Z enthusiast, and founder of Advising Generation Z, a nonprofit mentoring program. Now, Kristen, conflicts in the workplace are certainly nothing new, but how bad is this generation gap in the workplace? Today,
2: You know, I think what we have to realize is this younger generation is used to voicing their opinions. It is bad, but it's not detrimental, not something that can't be changed. Now, I will say the older generation, what they're going to have to realize that someday you will retire or you will pass away or there will be some (laughs) some part of your life will have to give away some of those responsibilities. Yeah. So if you're not making your job or your industry look attractive for the younger generation to want to sit in your profession, then you're going to have, you're going to miss out on a workforce. You won't be around. So that big real clash between both generations is really more about, we don't have to put down a younger generation for being young and we don't have to make space for the younger generation while abandoning the older generation.
0: You know, I, I want to ask, you know, what is it uh, that makes this clash between gender ears and baby boomers so unique and so uniquely challenging. And I think you kind of touched on it, that that mindset, the way different generations have been taught to behave in the workplace. I mean, I am among the, uh, the older set myself, not quite baby boomers, but older set. And in my day, in my day, we kept our heads down and we did what the boss asked us to do. And if we didn't like it, we quit and we found a new job. And younger workers, much more likely, as you were saying, to speak up about the things that they think are wrong and be more proactive in trying to fix them.
2: I think one thing is we have to just relax and understand that it is natural for each generation to have an issue with the older generation. (laughs) Obedient people don't make history. So there's going to have to be some sort of rebellion that has has happened for centuries that's anything different that this generation is doing. The only difference is that this generation is speaking up a lot quicker. Older generations, yes, you have said yes to things that you didn't want to, you have sat down and you've been happy to have your job. But what the pandemic did for this younger generation is it gave them a glimpse of what their parents have been dealing with at work, what they've been stressing out about to make money to be able to afford their life, how they've gone, how they have gone after careers and, and degrees that they're not even using. And they refuse to go down that path. You've got to allow them to, to create their own narrative while also realizing that, One day when they have to pay a real bill, they'll understand that you can't just keep leaving every job. If you want to eat and you want your cell phone to work (laughs) at some point, you're going to have to tough it up and, and stick there well got to come through experience not a lecture
0: yeah um and and that is a certainly a valid point um and and it also has to be i mean this kind of works uh, both ways too in terms of you know you're you're a bit fighting human nature uh to a certain extent the tendency that we all have young and old alike to kind of dig in when we think we're right i mean uh again as one of the more experienced workers myself when i uh hear about these new ways of doing things or, or so on and so forth. In the back of my mind, I may think, yeah, that's yeah, that's probably right, but I'll be damned if I'm going to admit it sometimes.
2: And that's the struggle. Why, boomers, is it hard for you to admit? If you admitted <laughs> it and came humble, you wouldn't have an issue with this generation who's who has been growing up being able to study people, watch people, and call BS BS. This is what this generation does. Right. And yeah. so you can't come to these meetings and claim you're the boss and claim you're the leader. And then next minute, ask, how can you teach me how to use my computer? Right. No, that doesn't work. I thought sure. you were the boss and you were the leader with 20 years of experience. You don't know how to use a computer. Yeah. Weren't you around when computers first invented,
0: right? <laughs> fair, all fair points, but it also, doesn't it also work the other way uh, around that there, I mean, I understand that just because we've always done it a certain way doesn't mean we always have to do things a certain way, but there is a reason why we have done things this way in the past, and there is some validity uh, behind some of those uh, some of those things, and don't younger workers who don't have the, the benefit of the experience also have to keep that in mind and, and resist that human nature to think that they're always right?
2: No, you're absolutely right. Gen Zers definitely have some work to do. As a professor, I see that every day. I have to give them the important talk of why they have to get assignments done. So it's going to take an older person to realize and adjust their communication style to be received in a way that they don't feel threatened or they don't feel challenged. Instead of walking into those environments thinking, I'm the boss, you do what I say, and that's how it's done. No, if you're the boss, you don't have to keep repeating that. Right. If you're the boss, show it in the way you walk. Inspire what you require from this younger generation, and they will rise up to the occasion. Don't meet them with your generation is young, or you don't know anything, or when I was your age, it took me 15 years to learn this. They don't need to hear that. What they need to hear is, hey, here's what needs to be done. How do you think that you should go about doing it? And then ask them probing questions that make them think, because that's what this generation critical thinking skills on how to get somewhere. And that's where the years of experience comes in. You'll never be able to really have a, a workplace with harmony if you don't learn how to have a balance between bringing in the innovation while also creating experience in the wisdom from some of the older generations.
0: Well, that was actually what I wanted to, to ask as well. I mean, because obviously this can really cause a serious problem for bosses and managers in some cases if this is allowed to go on unchecked for too long. So it raises the question, of how to be a referee. And I think you really uh, touched on the the solution here being results-based instead of process-based.
2: Correct. You, if a Gen Zer is at their desk, they're listening to music with their feet up, and eating Cheetos, and they're also on TikTok, <laughs> and they're also on three different INs. As long as their work got done at the timeline that you gave it to them, don't talk to them about their, their moment of not being stressed. You may not have been able to do 15 things at one time, but this generation grew up doing 15 things at one time. Yeah. As long as the quality of the work is is, is still up to par... done at a deadline you got to learn to shut up the way you're telling them to shut up and do what they're told you got to and allow them to do the work
0: and at the end of the day though as we mentioned office conflicts uh are are nothing new i mean this has been around uh from the very beginning of time Uh, so there does have to be some uh etiquette some rules of etiquette when those conflicts do arise have those rules changed in the 21st century the rules of what's appropriate at a workplace have
2: not changed, but we do have to realize that this young generation grew up watching most skits and interactions and staged uh, things happening on social media with adults who are their age, their boss's age, their parents, their grandparents' age, acting out these skits of all these crazy things that they do at work, and now they're supposed to come to a workplace actual job and not act like what they've been growing watching. <laughs> Remember, this generation is they're graduating high school with their high school diplomas and their associate's degree. So they're getting their first real job at 23 now opposed to 26 or 27. Mm. So if I'm coming in at 22 and I've been watching for the last four years, social media skits and content where people are just going off on their thoughts or, or accepting disrespect, I'm determined that I'm not going to be one of those people. And not going to be my parents and deal with that. So we've got to understand that when they do walk in our doors as young people, it's your job to teach them what is the etiquette at work. And teaching them does not mean a lecture. Teaching them means showing them in your actions. Yeah. You are their everyday influencer.
0: Yeah. A lot there for everyone to think about uh, considering navigating all of these things in the uh, workplace. Uh, Kristen G's again, uh, the founder of Advising Generation Z, a nonprofit mentoring program. Kristen, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Monday gremlins going on uh, here in the uh, in the studio there we go now I think we've uh, got it are you there sir hey Chris Yeah, Yeah, there we are. There we go. All right. It's a little Monday gremlins going on uh, here in the studio, as we were saying. (laughs) So uh, we connect with uh, Representative uh, Bob Latta here this morning. Now, late last week, uh, legislation introduced by uh, the congressman, Congressman Latta, was approved by the House Energy and Commerce Subcommittee on Health. The goal is to ensure that the U.S. is prepared to meet the demand for medicines and medical supplies to counter future. Future public health threats, uh, Congressman. Thanks very much for uh, taking the time. Clearly, uh, this is a measure that was uh, introduced, uh, you know, in the wake of the pandemic, based on lessons learned uh, from COVID. What was the impetus? Uh, what was the? Is there one thing or or one specific aspect of that where you said we really have to work harder on this?
3: Well, thanks very much for having me on. And, you know, we learned a lot from uh, what happened with COVID. And we found that we are really caught short on so many different areas. You know, everything from our personal protection equipment, or the PPE as it's known as out there, Mm -hmm. to everything for different types of drugs that uh, weren't being manufactured in this country, or that we don't have the types of ingredients in this country to make a certain type of drug. And we're finding out that a lot of our really essential drugs that are out there that people need are being uh, made overseas. And so all of a sudden when we have a pandemic and the whole world is out trying to do, get the same thing. We saw what the communist Chinese did. They ordered the market immediately on uh, right. personal protective equipment. So we want to make sure that under this legislation, because this is under the umbrella of what they call Papa, which is under the pandemic uh, pandemic, pandem- preparedness, and we want to make sure that going into the future that we know that we've got everything in place so we don't ever have the situation occur like we had before.
0: Uh, It's interesting you mentioned this is under a much wider umbrella with respect to pandemic preparedness, which speaks to one of the questions that I have uh, with respect to the the post-mortem on the uh, COVID pandemic. It seems to me that the best thing that we could do is do a deep dive, a real uh, deliberate analysis of what was done well and what was not done well during the course of the pandemic. And this should be uh, bipartisan because we he had uh, both uh, administrations of both parties that had to deal with this and uh, made some mistakes along the way, did some things well along the way. Is, is this part of, uh, of that and you know how much of that is actually being done and how much of this is more of a piecemeal type of thing, throwing a lot of things out there to try and see what sticks?
3: Well, I think our our legislation goes into the larger bill because we always have to do what they call a reauthorization of the uh, pandemic or preparedness. And so what we want to make sure is we have all these different parts that were included in it. And you're right, you know, uh, certain things were done right and well. Uh, example, you know, never in history did you see three different vaccines come out within uh, less than a year. Right. And, you know, normally you're talking about it take you know, years or maybe even a decade to get something done because once you go through all the different processes. But, you know, I think in that case, that's one of the things when you know you got to get something out there. Because so I was sitting in the meetings because being on the Energy and Commerce Committee and, and with the Health Subcommittee that uh, when Vice President Pence was put in charge and sitting at the table with the drug manufacturers early on, and to see what happened in such a short period of time, I think mean, that's almost outright a miracle. But then, again, in other areas, like I said, that when you look at that, we're not producing the drugs in this country that we should be. And that we also should have all of the different types of personal protective equipment that, you know, when, you're, when you talk to healthcare providers out there that's forced to reuse over and over and over just their face masks right. uh, every day that they should have been doing they had been somehow to, you know, uh, different companies were out uh, doing things to try to help uh, sterilize these. And that was even happening in Northwest Ohio. That's why you have, you know, when you have to, you can't rest laurels, you've got to go out there and make sure that you're doing everything possible. Because again, uh, when I see uh, essential drugs out there that are not
0: Did we lose the uh, congressman? Oh, we had a, uh, a bit of a glitchy connection there. Are you still there? Yes. There we go. There we go. Um, Now, this uh, legislation, and and, and by the way, the uh, full title is the Helping Evaluate Appropriate Logistical Infrastructure for National Government Response Act, or the Healing Response (laughs) Act. Uh, So that's quite a mouthful. Um, Obviously, again, this is geared uh, specifically and targeted specifically toward future uh, public health threats, public health emergencies, and so on. But the underlying issues that came to light during the pandemic with respect to the availability of medical supplies, medical equipment and and medicines and essential medicines, and so on. the underlying issues were not pandemic specific. Uh, does is this specifically looking at public health emergencies or this do uh, help us do a better job of fixing these problems for just everyday concerns?
3: So, I, you know, I think you're absolutely correct. You know, when you get things corrected, when you're looking at just for a, uh, having national emergency like COVID, well, you want to make sure that uh, you don't have problems, again, with just everyday drugs. And, again, uh, you know, this all ties together because, again, when you have your, uh, a good marketplace out there, making sure that what makes America great, is that one of the things that we're so different a lot of people don't realize in the rest of the world, we have so many different types of medications out there that treat so many different types of uh, health issues. For instance, you know, in a lot of countries uh, under their national health plans by by the government, you might only have uh, two or three different types of cancer types of drugs out there. Well, in this country you have the availability of all the drugs. But we want to make sure that again that you don't have you don't ever see a situation where our our uh, drugs that we absolutely have to have aren't there. And again, in the in the world that we live in today with communist China where a lot of these drugs are, are being manufactured, they are an adversary, not a friend. Mm-hmm. And you want to have a much better supply chain than we have right now.
0: So essential legislation, and by the way, uh, it is also should be noted that it is bipartisan legislation. Uh, This is uh, a very important uh, piece of of legislation that we will continue to uh, follow as the Healing Response Act advances. Uh, We'll now go to a full committee uh, for consideration and then uh, hopefully uh, forward onto the floor. And uh, Congressman Bob Latta with us uh, this morning. Congressman, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it.
3: Well, thank
0: you very much. Have a great day. We interrupt this program to bring you a broken news alert. In Hollywood, Florida, James Timothy Kelly uh, walked into a PNC bank branch with hopes of making, let's call it an unauthorized withdrawal. (laughs) It was intended to rob the place, but things did not go according to plan. Uh, Mr. Kelly confidently approached a teller, brandishing a note demanding money. However, the quick-thinking teller decided to play it cool and pretended not to notice the note, instead slipping Mr. Kelly a uh, a bank withdrawal slip. (laughs) Instead, if you want to take money out, you got to fill this out. (laughs) As the teller pretended to wrestle with imaginary computer issues, she cleverly asked Mr. Kelly to have a seat and she'd be right with him. (laughs) Obliging the uh, teller without suspicion, the robber sat down, unaware that law enforcement had already been alerted. (laughs) said, you want to just have a seat and we'll be with you in just a moment. (laughs) So he did. He had a seat. And uh, next thing you know, uh, (laughs) the police arrived and shocked him. Uh, so where did you come from? The whole thing caught, cop- captured on security video, of course. Responding officers summoned by the teller's ingenious ruse entered the bank from the back entrance only to find Mr. Kelly cl- calmly waiting his turn in line in the lobby. <laughs> <laughs> Following his arrest and a transfer to the FBI Miami field office, Mr. Kelly surprisingly waived his right to remain silent and spilled the beans to agents. Confessing at his failed attempt at intimidation and robbery, he faces a maximum twenty-year sentence for his not-so-grand theft scheme of uh, bank robbery. Uh, James Timothy Kelly. He's seventy-seven years old. Seventy-seven. You would think he would know better, you know. Hard to hard to feel sorry for the guy, though. Clearly not a professional thief. Clearly. Not a professional at this. <laughs> I don't know if he decided he wanted a second career in retirement and decided a life of crime. was Might want to rethink that. Elsewhere in the uh, broken news, in a display of bravery and spontaneity, spontane, uh, spontaneous bravery, we'll call it, a citizen became an instant legend in Tulsa, Oklahoma, by tackling a suspect during a wild police chase. The incredible scene captured on police body cam uh, video. The unknown citizen leaped into action as the suspect, Miguel Fernandez, tried to give cops the slip. I don't know what uh, he actually was running from. police. I don't know what the original uh, confrontation was all about, but he tried to give cops the slip attempting to flee after initially providing a false name. But destiny had other plans. A citizen driving down the street abandoned his pickup truck and expertly took down Mr. Fernandez on the sidewalk. After officers cuffed the suspect, the humble hero nonchalantly strolled back to his vehicle and disappeared. (laughs) Nobody knows. Apparently, nobody knows who this person is. Uh, Mr. Fernandez's uh, bad luck uh, did not end there with a laundry list of charges, including resisting arrest, possession of drug paraphernalia, and a collection of felony warrants for burglary, conspiracy, larceny, and illegal firearm possession. It's safe to say that his escapades did not go exactly according to plan either. So, <laughs> couple of couple of criminals there, would-be criminals thwarted by. The quick-thinking actions of ordinary citizens. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Do you remember the white and gold dress that broke the internet back in 2015? The dress that broke the internet, it was white and gold, or it was blue and black. And nobody could decide what it actually was. You remember that, right? The uh, the uh, whole thing that went viral a few years ago. Well, here is a follow-up story that you did not expect. Keir Johnston, whose mother-in-law wore the dress to his wedding, has now been charged with alleged attempted murder. Um, uh, Mr. Johnson, age uh, 38, faces allegations of domestic abuse and coercive control, which ultimately resulted in an attempt to to kill his own wife. 2015, the dress went viral, and Johnston and his wife even appeared on the Ellen DeGeneres show at the height of the dress's fame. The black and blue dress appeared in an ad campaign raising for raising domestic violence awareness. Oddly enough, uh, Mr. Johnston uh, denies all the charges. The trial is set for sometime next year. That's crazy. Um... Here is another, you might have seen this uh, online, this is another thing that's kind of going viral on the internet. Adam Steelman of Nevada found out that his license plate uh, is gaining online fame with over 80,000 likes on Facebook, but now it has been recalled by the Department of Motor Vehicles in the Silver State, uh, leaving him in license plate limbo. Mr. Steelman, who had, has never been in trouble with us, does not have any uh, speeding violations or traffic tickets or, you know, not so much as, you know, any negative interaction with the DMV. Uh, but now his license plate is causing all kinds of uh, uh, problems. Um, it reads G O B K. Two, the number two, C A. So, if you read that, it basically says go back to California. <laughs> go back to California. Um, well, Mister uh, Steelman uh, said uh, he see, he has a clean DMV record for two decades. He received a letter stating that his seemingly innocent plate was deemed inappropriate and needed to be recalled. The DMV issued the plate. With no problems, but now they want it back. Uh, and apparently, it only took one complaint to set off the license plate review process. According to the Nevada DMV, any plate that goes against the statute can be subject to recall. However, Steelman is not giving up easily and plans to appeal the decision, hoping that a uh, judge will see things his way and allow him to keep his go back to California <laughs> license plate. <laughs> So we'll see where that goes. And finally, in the broken news this morning, the odd and unusual side of the headlines: a woman in Bakersfield, California, story with a happy ending. Always love stories with a happy ending. Woman in Bakersfield, California, has her wedding ring back thanks to a scuba enthusiast named Merman Mike. Uh, the woman lost her wedding ring in Bass Lake recently during her family's visit to Madera County, just north of San Fr- or just north of Fresno. Uh, she contacted Michael Pelly, aka Merman Mike, on social media and asked for his help. And sure enough, Mr. Pelly found the ring at the bottom of the lake after a couple of hours searching, then dove back in the lake to remove uh, some trash that he also uh, found. So he not only recovered the ring, but cleaned up the lake a little bit too. Uh, Mr. Pelly, uh, who says he loves to dive and look for lost treasures, does not charge for his services. does it just out of the goodness of his heart. Isn't that awesome? Awesome stuff. There you go. That is uh, today's Broken News Report, an update on the odd and unusual side of the headlines. We now return you to your regularly scheduled programming. Wake up and text. Text and eat. Mm -hmm. Text and meet up with a friend you haven't seen in forever.
1: Hi. Oh, hey.
0: Text and complain that they're on their phone the whole time. (laughs) Text and listen to them complain that you're on your phone the whole time. Uh. Text and whatever. But when you get behind the wheel, give your phone to a passenger. Put it in the glove box. Just don't text and drive. Visit stoptextsstoprex.org. A message from NHTSA and the Ad Council.
1: This message provided by WFIN.
0: Time for your daily download the numbers behind the news and the statistics that shape our lives. You've often heard that uh, statistic, um, and this has been around for years. I don't know if it still holds true, but I was suspected that, that it does, that uh, young people uh, today, this uh, newest generation in the workforce, will switch careers three times, an average of three times uh, during their lifetime. Not just changing jobs, but actually switching careers three times over the uh, course of their lifetime. Well, a new poll of 2,000 employed adults kind of break that down further they find that the average worker will switch career direction by age 31. that is the I guess the first time by age 31. Uh, the uh, survey experts say suggest workers may experience a 10-year itch that causes them to pivot 26 percent of the respondents in the poll are considering a career change 44 percent already made the leap to something new and of those who changed careers the most common reason 33 percent say they wanted better opportunities for increased earnings money isn't everything but it is a big driving factor uh, on the decision to change careers 19 percent say they were looking for a better work-life balance Which is kind of interesting. I would have guessed, especially in the wake of the pandemic, that that number might actually be even a little bit higher, but 19%. Now, once someone has switched careers, 68% of them never look back, which means probably about 30% or so actually do have second thoughts. But the vast majority never look back. Uh, One uh, career counselor uh, speaking about the results of this poll says, assess your skills, assess your drivers, the things that drive you, the things that motivate you, your ambition, and then find a career to match. There are certainly plenty of opportunities in the job market today for workers who are open to taking them. To your health this morning, for many of the millions of Americans living with moderate to severe plaque psoriasis, warm weather is not something that they look forward to. I mean, think about it. If you're embarrassed by your skin, you're probably not going to put yourself into situations where your skin is on uh, on display. You're not going to hang out of the pool. You're not going to go to the beach. In fact, you might spend most of your time trying to avoid social situations altogether this time of year. Dr. Melinda Greenfield is a board-certified dermatologist, and Dr. Greenfield, The ironic thing is that you say warmer weather and sunshine exposure can often actually improve the condition, right? Uh,
4: Absolutely. Yes, you are correct.
0: But that said, it is not a seasonal condition per se.
4: Right. Well, exactly what you said is that, um, you know, we do see psoriasis all year round, uh, but we're talking today specifically about the summertime Mm -hmm. because these patients with these red, scaly, itchy, uncomfortable plaques from psoriasis. They do tend to avoid social situations. They're trying to stay covered up. Uh, There is a stigma when patients have skin diseases. And so in the summertime, that's when I have a lot of patients coming to me and they are wanting to get clear so they can get out there and enjoy the the beautiful summer weather.
0: Okay, so first of all, let's address the stigma a little bit. Uh, Explain for those who do not have to deal with this, explain what psoriasis is, how common is it?
4: Okay, so psoriasis is a chronic uh, hereditary condition. So you basically are born with the gene and it triggers the immune system to uh, cause a, an overabundance of the buildup of skin cells. So what that results in are these thickened red scaly plaques. Often we see these on the elbows and the knees, but of course they can affect anywhere on the body surface area, including the scalp. Um, You know, these plaques can be itchy, they can be unsightly. Sometimes they get so thick that they can actually crack and bleed and these patients are... Uncomfortable, um, and they don't want to have people looking at their skin condition because a lot of people might look at them and think, Oh, what, what is that? You yeah. know, is that contagious? Which it is absolutely not contagious. And at any given time, we have 8 million Americans that are walking around with psoriasis, and 20% of those with psoriasis actually have moderate to severe plaque psoriasis. And what that means is that Uh, up to 10% of their body surface area is covered in these uncomfortable and unsightly plaques.
0: So uh, you mentioned that this time of year, especially, you will hear from a lot of folks who are looking to treat this. What can I do? Uh, Again, and it makes sense because we're in the season of showing more skin. So people are going to be more cognizant and self-conscious of that. What are some of the treatment options that are available?
4: We have a huge array of treatment options. And in my almost 25 years as a board-certified dermatologist, the the avenue for, for treatment and management psoriasis of psoriasis has expanded immensely. So for a lot of patients, they might start out with topicals, which are creams. Uh, some patients might utilize light therapy. Uh, Some patients might be eligible for more systemic therapies, and that would be something like a pill. Um, One of the newer categories we call biologic therapy, and that's why I've partnered with Sun Pharma today to talk about a specific biologic therapy called Illumia. As with any treatment, there are going to be benefits and risks, and it's important that you talk to your doctor about what those benefits and risks might be for each individual. My patients have been happy with their treatment with Illumia. Um, Biologics are injectable drugs. And what that means is you'll come into my office, I give you two loading doses, and then four times a year, you'll pop in and get, get a shot. And um, in as early as 12 weeks, uh, these patients are seeing clear skin, and they're able to get out there, wear that little sundress, and enjoy all the, the benefits of, of summertime.
0: As uh, as you mentioned, uh, this should start with a conversation with your doctor if this is something that you are struggling with. What should that conversation look like?
4: Well, ideally, if you can get seen by a board-certified dermatologist because we are skin specialists and um, a lot of rashes can look... Uh, very much alike, so you want to make sure that you get the you know the definitive diagnosis of psoriasis. And if someone is, is wanting to gather more information uh, more quickly about the treatment that I've discussed today, they can go to alumia.com. That's I L U M Y A. Dot com, and they can gather more information right away about this biologic therapy for moderate to severe plaque psoriasis.
0: As we always say, the best source of information is going to be your own personal physician, but as you said, for general information, uh, we will link that uh, website up on our webpage as well, so folks can check that out. In addition to the medical treatment, are there uh, other things that... Uh, you could recommend uh, for patients in terms of managing their symptoms?
4: Absolutely. I love talking to my patients about uh, healthy living and lifestyle modification. Of course, eating a healthy diet, um, avoiding triggers um, and stressors like alcohol and cigarettes. We know that the skin is our biggest organ. And if we're taking care of our body, then that is going to show through our skin. And, you know, keeping the skin well-moisturized, staying well-hydrated, those are all things that can move us towards a a positive direction with with our skin condition.
0: Which, by the way, is good advice for all of us. Uh, Dr. Melinda Greenfield, again, is a board-certified dermatologist. We'll get the link up on our webpage that we referenced. And Dr. Greenfield, thanks very much for taking the time. We appreciate it. Absolutely. Thank you. And that will finish up our podcast for today. I want to thank all of our guests for joining us on the program this morning. Remember, you can get more information about all of the topics that we talk about each and every day on the show at our webpage, and that is goodmornings.net. Coming up tomorrow on the program, you know that the automobile industry is big. Do you know how big and how significant it is for our state's economy? We'll take a closer look at the numbers and what the future holds for Ohio. So until tomorrow morning, that is good mornings for this morning. Now that you've had a good morning, go on out and make it a good day. Catch you back here tomorrow.